What'd y'all do for uh for Halloween? Gave out candy. Did you give out candy? Are yeah. you in the Halloween spirit, Ian? No, but I don't really care about Halloween, but Emily wanted to. So, so we you, just you sat on ob- the front porch. You felt obligated? Yeah, I mean, like we're the only um like apartment building on our street. There's a ton of like big like walk-up million dollar houses. So like they all have kids. Okay. So like if I lived in like a 30 floor building, I wouldn't, but we live in like a two story and we're on the bottom floor so right outside so we just gotcha. sat outside with all the little kids that came by so gotcha um what, yeah, were, what, so, what were the candy options in your bowl it was actually really slim because we didn't get any till late it was like just basic stuff like m m snickers there's reese's in there so nothing too crazy um because we didn't get it till late but what, what are y'all I think it was on, sufficient what are your thoughts on like on like how you should fill your candy bowl as far as like what candy should be in there. Because when we did all, so we went around um, with, with Jackson Cami or whatever. And um, a lot of chocolate, a lot of chocolate yeah. in everybody's bowl, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm not a huge chocolate person. So like, I'd love to see some Skittles and fruit snacks and stuff like that. Like, should fruit we diversify? It? I mean, I eat fruit snacks every no, day. No, no, I love fruit snacks, but not in a Halloween. Not in Halloween. Why? Is, is Halloween like a chocolate? Like the, you're like candy? one of the guys that gives out Lay's potato chips. No. Like, no come on. Somebody dude. did give out Rice yeah. Krispie Treat. No, yeah. Like, all right. Let's, let's, Rice Krispie Treats aren't bad. At least that's sweet. Like, but just like a bag of Doritos. Like, what are we doing here? Like, uh, hey, what's wrong with Doritos? No, wait a minute. Come just on, on Halloween, yeah, like, like, it's just the vibe just isn't there for me, man. It's no, just that's true. Not. It's definitely not. So, Carolyn, I'm, guess, Carolyn, I'm guessing you didn't put a bowl together for, for any kids. So, we don't. I live. Oh, crap. Um, like a bunch of old people live around. I'm not like in a 55 plus, but like, yeah, I'm not exactly, (laughs) not a whole bunch of kids running around here. So like not a single person came to our door. So we, thankfully we didn't buy candy because if we did, we would have had, you would have been, what would you you put in your candy bowl? If you, like, if you had to pick what was in your candy bowl, let's say you get four, four things, four things for kids to pick from. What do you put in your candy bowl? It's Twix, Snickers, Kit Kats. She just realized she picked three chocolates and there's nothing else. I know. That's okay because that's the ones I like. So <laughs> if I got to eat them all after. Yeah, that's the other point too, right? <laughs> yeah. You it's like if, like... If, if nobody shows up, you're kind of stuck with the candy. Exactly. And then I'd say like a Twizzler. Twizzler. Okay. Yeah. That'd okay. be my, that'd be my Ian, four. Ian, I mean, obviously you did do it, but maybe you didn't have as much say in this candy bowl. What, what would you put, what would be your four options in the candy bowl? Um... Probably Reese's, Kit Kat, Sour Patch Kids. Uh, what are you? What are you mocking? That's like one of the most famous. That's like one of the most popular candies in the world. I'm not mocking. Literally, like one of the most just, top ten. Just, just out of thought after field. candies on on Halloween. Would, would you go? Well, Kit, hold on, Kit Kat, Snickers, and then all of a sudden, Sour Patch Kids. No, I said. Well, you were mocking the no. You know, gotta have not all chocolate. Yeah. So I said Reese's, Kit Kat, Sour Patch Kids. Uh, like Reese's Pieces or like Reese's? No, like Reese's Cups. I do love Reese's Pieces, but Reese's Cups, like the ones they have that sh- the shapes too, are way better. Huh. Okay. Like Halloween, they have pumpkin shape. They have Christmas trees. They have Easter eggs at Easter. Mm-hmm. I'm not Those a huge fan of the Easter better. ones, though. They're a little bit too much. <laughs> that's that's too much chocolate. I think we got to get away from the chocolate. <laughs> got to get away from the chocolate. Okay. Do you okay. do you give out gummy all right, bears? Welch's fruit snacks? Come on. Huh? No. I said all right. Welch's fruit snacks. Okay, oh. Carolyn, what'd you ask? I said what gummy bears? Is that what you give out? Skittles. Fun dip, brisket, mac brisket? and cheese. Hold on. I mean, I'm all in on fun dip, but I don't like the the fun size fun dip because you only get one flavor. Like yeah, it's got to be the yeah. full size fun dip, or don't give it to me because I don't want to have one option of 
powdered sugar that I can put my, yeah. you know, I need all three flavors. I don't want one. So I, I do advocate for more like sugary things other than like, chocolate. you probably just want like a bag of pixie sticks. Is what I, you want. I, I honestly, I honestly could just do like oh Skittles is probably my, like that or gummy bears are probably my favorite. So if you just had like the, the three different kinds of Skittles, like, you know how they do like regular tropical mm. wild mm. berry. I don't hate Skittles and Skittles. You get a good, uh, I'd be set. You get a good bang for your buck in the fun you size. Do. Like you, you get a good solid handful of Skittles. So and there's different I flavors. I'd be all yeah. for it. I'd be all for it. Definitely a big Skittles guy. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome to the finals of the 2022 NCAA Golf Championship. Gentlemen. What's up and welcome to this week's edition of the Golf Stat Podcast. I am joined this week again by Ian Gilliam. That's me. And we got Carolyn back in the fold. What's up, Carolyn? Hey, what's up? How are, how are your travels the last couple weeks without us? Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> Just not having to hear us every Wednesday. <laughs> I, did, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell, tell me, we'll just do it briefly, because I don't think we've heard from you since you've been off, or at least let me put it this way. Our listeners haven't heard from you since you've been off the road for the last couple of weeks. What, what was like a highlight maybe of, uh, of your last couple of weeks of travel? If you can just pinpoint one thing, it was like, that was pretty cool. Oh my gosh, a highlight? I don't know. I think just how much match play someone can go through within three days That's true. Yeah. <laughs> like that was a lot just back to back at some points it just felt like a tornado like I was just spinning around and I was like oh okay well golf's back on you you, you you've got to be our staff expert on administering match play software at this point though right oh absolutely yeah yeah so so for those again that, that aren't aware or weren't following Carolyn was at big 12 match play which does six rounds of match play in three in three days right with 12 10 teams 12 teams something around there uh, um, 10, yeah. 10 teams so again doing that event and then turn around and going to east lake cup which only has the one round of stroke play and then you're doing match play both men's and women's on that side so if, if, you, if you've got any uh match play questions carolyn would be your uh your go-to at this point uh well cool well, we're, we're excited to have you back uh on the pod because i know people were tired of listening to me and ian go back and forth at each other for the last two weeks so nice to have a different voice uh or your voice i should say back with us so let's let's hop back into to the happenings of the past uh, of the past couple of days. So one of our lighter uh, weeks in college golf, I, 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 for some reason, decided to call this like vacation week because you get a lot of tournaments, whether it be out in California and Hawaii or Bahamas or whatever. Right. So like you're getting a lot of pictures of teams on beaches and, you know, having fun outside of just the golf course. Um, one that was where I had just left a couple uh, about a week ago was kind of the big event, at least on the women's D one side was the landfall tradition. I want to start there star-studded field with a lot of really good teams, a lot of really good players. San Jose State um, won by six. They shot uh, minus 22, beat Wake Forest number two um, at minus 16. Florida State number 18 held off South Carolina, who was trying to make a push. Um, they finished third, South Carolina right behind there. Then you got UCF, Michigan State, uh, Michigan in the field, Tennessee in the field. Again, these are all top 50 teams, Alabama, Duke, Maryland, UNC, and Virginia Tech. So, again, a lot of star power there. What, what, are, what are some of our takeaways um, from this event just to start? Any, anything you notice, anything, any, anything stick with you from this event? I, I know I've got a few. I mean, I'm a little shocked that Wake didn't come away with it. 
Okay. You know, they, they seem like such a closing team. Like even if they are down, if any kind of deficit, they tend to grind and come back. But I mean, great for San Jose State to hold them off. Yeah. And play really and, good golf. And I think there's something to be said too, because I, I think the only other uh, stroke play loss, at least that Wake had, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the event. I'm blanking on the winner. But but um, Carolina Lopez Chicara wasn't in the lineup that week, if I'm not mistaken. So we were kind of like, oh, you know, kind of the, the faux outrage kind of thing. Oh, are we surprised? Is it, you know, should we be worried about Wake Forest? And we're like, no, you know, they didn't have their full lineup. But this was their full. This was their full lineup, right? Like they had everybody. It was a little bit different lineup. Rachel King played three. Amelia Migliaccio was in the one spot, which I don't think she had played at least this season, and she held down that spot with the T four. Um, so w- with their full lineup, um. Yeah. What, does this say anything about San Jose State? Does this say more about San Jose State? Does this say more about Wake Forest? Um, what, what do you think there? I think for me, just like like I said, I was I was at Medina where they had the lead late, had the opportunity to take their first trophy of the season, couldn't hang on. Kentucky came back second and won. Trophy. Second trophy. Or excuse me, their second. second and trophy. Kentucky came back. Kentucky came back and won, and now Kentucky looks really good after winning back-to-back weeks. So it's like, okay, right. like those are two really good teams battling out on the last day. And so – I think for me, this was like they lost the lead late a couple of weeks ago, and now they come from behind and, and beat, you know, one of the top two teams in the country. Marcus's, you know, national championship contenders. There's not many of them and coming to go and win this the, in the fashion that they did and and win by eight. And so um, it's, a, it's a big win. It's a statement win, I think. And, you know, this isn't this isn't just some some team coming out of nowhere. I mean, they made match right. play last year. Like they, yeah, right. they gave Oregon all they could um, down the stretch of that, that quarterfinal matchup last year. So this isn't something we should be surprised about. I don't think in terms of like them winning, I think it's just, we become accustomed to wake winning all the time. And now it's like, Oh, there, there's some other really, really, really good teams out there. So um, big win for them. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm not shocked that it happened at all. I'm interested to see if they can keep it rolling. So. Well, wasn't, aren't they, you, when you guys had your list of teams, whether or not they would win like a title or anything, or if they would be contenders, weren't they, were they one or were they not one that you were like, yes or no to? So, so I, I was <laughs> <laughs> not to bring up. <laughs> yeah. So I was the one that was tasked with com- uh, uh, comprising that list on the women's side. And I didn't go any farther than three teams, which was gotcha. Stanford, Wake and Texas A&M at the time. Right. Yeah. But I think it's, yeah, they're fifth now. Texas A&M is. South Carolina still at four. I, I swear, they are just locked into that four spot. Eternally. It seemed like last year they didn't move at all from there either. Or the like they were right before, in that. Like, wild to think about. Yeah. But anyways, we'll we'll get back to that. Consistent. Um, and yeah, exactly. And then San Jose State was at nine last week, so they won this event, which again, deservingly so, moving from nine to three. Even that much move movement in the top ten is probably warranted for the the teams that you beat this week. That completely and that's makes not sense easy to do. It's like not it's easy not easy to go up six spots. And now, yeah. granted, we are in now in November, but still, like, but there's only so many spots to move. Right? Exactly. There's, there's only. I mean, when you're ranked fiftieth, it's easy, not easy, but it's much easier to go from fifty to to forty four than it is from nine to three because there's yep. not a whole lot more compared to wins you can actually get. Right. So, uh, that is truly an impressive jump. Um. Yeah, I I think I think it's interesting because when I looked at the based on what they had done so far, the reason I picked Stanford, Wake, Texas A&M, because to me, they had gone into the events and and won or were right behind the teams that I thought they should have beaten or or lost to. So, for example, like Texas A&M won their home event, right? The teams that they had lost to were the Wakes and Stanford's. Right. Same thing with Wake and Stanford. Stanford wasn't really losing unless it was the Wake. Wake wasn't really losing unless it was the Stanford. 
that kind of thing, right? They had, they had in Stanford and Wake especially had won everything. I hadn't seen that from San Jose State, but I think there is something to be said about building, kind of like we said, right? Even we kind of forgot about the early season win because it wasn't necessarily the field that this event was, that landfall was. So it wasn't really on our radar. Then they go play uh, the Illini event, stronger field, and they don't get it done. They lose a lead. Then we're like, okay, you know, should we be worried? That kind of thing, right? Then they go, uh, what, what was the one after that? Or was it this one? What, whatever it was, what, they, they keep building. And I think the win here is exactly what you want to see from a program that, yes, we are that good. And we, we've, like we've talked about from literally episode one, building blocks, keeping the long-term thing in mind, right? We have gotten better. Maybe we weren't clicking on all cylinders from week one, but we've gotten better. Our players are still really good. They're all in the top, whatever, in the individual rankings, right? Still a team to um, a team to consider. Now, does it change my mind about are they a national title contender? Right. I was going to ask next, right, for that, especially since I know we talked about um, like with Oregon and stuff, not getting a win yet. Yeah. Do they need a win to right. kind of really be considered? Right. I I. I'll share first. I think this helps kind of form the argument for them being a national title contender because they, I mean, again, other than Stanford, not being in the field, they beat the teams that are right there and, and Texas A&M maybe too, as far as not being in the field, but they beat South Carolina. Um, they beat Wake Forest, right. Kind of on even playing field too, as far as who's in the lineup and who's not. So it wasn't like, Oh, we caught Wake on an off day. No, Wake played well, you know? So um, I still think there's a different tier Stanford and Wake when they, when they're, playing their best I would say um but who knows you know I don't I don't I don't think it's fair to and maybe we were a little bit premature but that's the fun of having a podcast about saying who is and who can't win a national championship that's kind of the fun part but also I think it's you could say it on the other side too where we can't necessarily um overreact I guess with every win because there's a lot of it's, it's not like the PJ tour right where there's one event every week the players are either in or out of that event and you win or you don't win all of these teams could play five different events the same week and all win. Okay. So what, what conclusions do we draw from that? Right. Like it's, you can't just necessarily say because you won this week now, all of a sudden you're my favorite. Right. So I, I think San Jose state, if they continue on the trajectory that their season is going, we may see, do they have another, another gear come spring and they very well, uh, very well could have it. Um, but I, I think for me, that still remains to be seen. I think they're very talented. I don't know if they're Stanford and wake level, but again, I am, all four proving me wrong. All four proving me wrong. What, what, do, what do you guys think? Is San Jose State in your conversation for true national title contenders? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they did really well last year, right? They did. So, I mean, it's – and anyone can have an off day, whether it's a whole team, sure. one player, anything like that. And with golf, I think that's one thing that's nice. Like, yes, Stanford and Wake are two very strong – and even Texas A&M are, are very strong contenders in it and are most likely – if you had to like pick somebody, it'd probably be, you know, one of them, but it's still golf and it's still a game where anything could necessarily happen. They all might show up in their match plays and the other teams might not. Yeah. Right. Since that is something that it's just a different game, but I mean, I do agree. I don't think they're on the same level, but I think they definitely could be. Sure. And it's, you know, and, and I think you can make that case for a lot of teams, right? Like there's, there's definitely a handful of teams that when you say, okay, if Stanford and wake don't have their best day, one of these teams could win. I guess the question is, are how many of those teams, if they have their best day, could beat Stanford or Wake when they have their best day? I, I guess I guess is kind of how we you know how we have to separate the conversation because absolutely you could go down this list just about as far as you want to and say 
yeah, if Stanford and Wake don't play their best or whoever else you want to throw in that, that top tier, don't play their best, X amount of teams could catch them, especially in match play, right? Yeah. But I don't know if um, I don't know if that makes them title contenders because that would make a lot of people title con- title contenders if we're yeah, banking no, on absolutely. the fact that those teams, you know what I mean? If we're banking on the fact that those top two teams aren't going to play well, if if that's if that's what it takes, I guess. Ian, Ian, what do you think as far as San Jose State being a national title contender, or I, does this change your opinion? I guess. I, like I, I don't. I said I mentioned this earlier. I don't know if it changes my opinion to be like, yes, they're tier one, but I think, like they. They did play in another event after my dad. They went to the Stanford Intercollegiate, the one That's we right. were forgetting, and they lost right. by – they finished T2 but lost by 10 to Stanford. Right. So, like, there's your litmus test right there because, like, they played each other early in the fall, and it's like, okay, Stanford did what we expected them to do. And But I still think, like, that continuous building is important in that it is early in the season, but it's like what well, you mentioned earlier. They lose a tough one at Medina that they had the lead. They lose to Stanford at Stanford's event, and then they come back and win a really, really, really good event late in the season. So I don't know if it's like, all right, I'm banking on them to to, to be in that final match play event. But, like, this team made match play last year. They brought almost everybody back. They're on a good roll to start the season. Like, who am I to doubt them from having the opportunity to do it again? Sure. And I think that they've showed it so far this year. So, Yeah, that's a good point. Um. Any other takeaways from this leaderboard? You know, I'm staring at which a team, I don't know if critical is the right word, but a team, it's like, I don't know if it's a, a, a GIF or whatever, one of those memes or something where like you're like poking the rock, waiting for it to move, like do something. I'm poking South Carolina every week. Like do something, man. Do jump, do something, right? And because, because again, they keep, they, they, for the past three years, I think we've talked about it, they've got the number four ranking um, next to their team or next to their name. And I'm, I personally am not seeing it from them yet as far as that next you know, level. Yeah. Like all these other, all these other teams we keep lumping in there, especially in the top five have wins, right? Let me, let me just double check that to confirm, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Stanford's got two wakes, got three San Jose's got two A&M's got one. Your, your top five all has wins. South Carolina doesn't, you know, and, 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 and some of that too, right. Some of that too is the product of their schedule. Right. And I think we can kind of say the well, same. Well, they play a good schedule and seem to finish in the top five every week. So Absolutely. it's like, and, and, and sometimes higher than that. That's the other part. Yeah, too. exactly. So, so like from a ranking standpoint, we can kind of say the, the equivalent of that. And I don't think anybody has as, as uh, or at least I don't. Um, maybe I do. Doesn't have the same doubts about my, my, my parallel would be, or my comparison would be Arizona State on the men's side. Right. So if we kind of take a look at Arizona State on the men's side, they are ranked fourth as well. They are the only team in the top. And they were ranked second last week. They were ranked second last week. And they've got no wins, right? Auburn's got three. Vandy's got two. Texas Tech has one. Carolina has three. Stanford, two. Illinois, two. Tennessee, one. Florida, one. That's your top nine. They're the only team in the top top nine without a win. But they play – They, I'm pretty sure, like, if we go back and listen to which events we led off with on the men's side, they were in those events, which must mean you're playing the toughest schedule out there, right? And if you're playing that tough of a schedule – it's really hard to pick up wins. You know, what, what, what do you all think as far as um, is there value in that? Does that, and we may have talked about this earlier in another, like, do you value more the wins being able to pick up a win or do you think there's something to be said? Is there something to be said about scale, scheduling hard and finishing highly, I guess? Um, yeah. What, what, what do you all think? I think we touched, I think it was like two or three weeks ago, we talked about this um, just like how important is that win in the, from like a coach's perspective, from a fan perspective, from a player, I think it's, I think it's big in terms of like, if I'm looking at it from a player side, because it's like, like we finished the job, like we were able to execute, we were, we were able to 
to climb that hurdle, get, get over the hump and, and finish with a win. And so I think if you, and I'm not naming names for specific teams, but if you go as your team X and you go into the national championship and you've finished runner up or T3 or T4 every tournament. And I think that starts to weigh on you a little bit where it's like, man, we just haven't gotten there yet. We haven't gotten there yet. And so I think to be able to build that confidence and be able to, to win events and like, I'm not saying go play events with that doesn't have a strong strength of schedule or in terms of that event with rankings of teams, but just to get a win. But I'm saying if you're able to get one or get two, I'm just saying if you're able to get one, if Arizona State can get one earlier in the spring, it's like, man, we've we've been there. We've been tracking and here we go. We got to win. Now we roll through the rest of the year. And so I think that that plays a big factor in, in the mindset of players as well. Um, like I said, I think we touched on this a few weeks ago, but that's just kind of where my head went with it, because like you got to prove at some point you can get the job done. And you can't just finish second all year and then expect you're going to be able to go close one out. Like, let's get that feeling that we can get the job done early in the year. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there is that human side of it that maybe the For sure doesn't display, right? Like, obviously, all of these players are accomplished, both from a team and individual standpoint. So it's not like they've never won anything before and they don't know what it feels like. But there is something, I think, to be said about you know, there's, there's kind of a, a recency and comfort in knowing that you've done it in that particular season. Right. So like you get, let's say you get to that pressure situation, pressure, pressure situation, whether it's conference championships or regionals or national championship, and you know, we've got a chance to, whether it be advanced from regional to nationals or make match play or whatever. And that's what we consider closing the deal. Have you felt that so far this season? If you're kind of just have you hovering, been in that situation before where you have right. to do that, you know, because if, if you've done it three months prior, that feels a whole lot more comfortable than two years before. Yep. Right. Like that, that feeling of what that feels like is a whole lot more familiar with you or familiar to you if, if you've done it recently, I, I would think. Right. So I, I would kind of agree in that standpoint that, um, that, yeah, I, I, I think again, stepping away from the rankings, um, I think I think wins do mean something from the human element of of the game in general, any sport in general, right? Like it's sometimes you got to hit a game winner to know you can hit a game winner, you know that kind of thing. So uh, very interesting there. Um, just to touch on the player leaderboard a little bit, Charlotte Heath from Florida State. They had a really strong tournament. Florida State did. Um, I, I thought that was a team that had kind of been sleeping for a little bit and, and finally woke up during this event. Um, they they had a chance at one point. They were really rolling. Um, um, but again, San Jose State and Wake Forest kind of pulled away at the, or at least San Jose State did pull away at the end. But Flor Florida State play played really well. Um, Charlotte Heath and mm, I'm going to mess it up, but Louisa Carlbaum from San Jose State. Uh, they both tied at minus 10. Not sure if they played that off or not, but um, Florida State had a lot of firepower up there and they, and they played really, really well. Um, good to see Amelia from, from Wake Forest. Again, hold, hold down that number one spot, get T4. I think that was her best finish of the year. Um, this is reminding me more of the original Amelia that we had a couple years back, right? Where she was playing really, really well. She's 53rd in the, uh, going into this event, uh, ranked player in the country, T4 here. I'm sure she she moved up. So 39 now, yeah. 39 now. So again, like if that's the Amelia you're getting. That's that's saying a lot. So, um, so yeah, just wanted to touch on that part a little bit. All right, let's hop over to the D2s or D2. Again, we've been talking about this storyline just about all year. Rollins Legends Invitational. We've got all 16 teams inside the uh, inside the top 50. Rollins kind of messed it up for us at 46. I was going to say top 40, but Rollins is in there at 46, which is obviously still really good. But every single team has a, uh, has a number next to them. 
You got number five, and these are, again, rankings at the time of the event. Number five, Lynn won the event at plus 16, seven-shot win over number one, DBU. Um, Finley, your defending national champion, uh, was, I won't say right behind them, but 15 shots behind DBU. Um, Then you got Tampa, Nova Southeastern, Rollins, Flagler, Wingate, Lee. All of these teams are worthy of a mention because they are really good teams. Florida Southern, Barry, Columbus State, Lander, Carson Newman, St. Leo, North Georgia. so yeah, DBU doesn't get the win, loses by seven. I won't say it's alarming. Lynn played really well, especially to start. Kind of lost a little bit um, in that third round, but that first day they were lighting it on fire. 285, 284, had them with a very, very comfortable lead. So they, again, they they uh, lost to DBU on the final, final round by eight and still won by seven. So what looks like a 15-shot lead going into the final round is really, really impressive. Um, what, what, what are our takeaways from, from this event, if, if, if you got any? Uh, we don't have to spend too much time, but I did want to, uh, to bring this one out. I'm, I'm looking at – I'm still looking at Finley and DBU. I, I think DBU stayed at number one this week, am I correct? And then Lynn moved up to two? Yeah. Yeah, and Lynn moved up to two. Um, yeah, the big mover was Rollins. <laughs> 46 really, really? to 10th yeah really, really? Wow. yeah 46 to 10th so i mean um, heck yeah I mean, that's a lot of wins man that's a lot of wins and the say, stroke you... differential between the team who was 10th and them by that's 40 shots that's <laughs> very true so so what yeah. what ian's referencing is rollins again coming to this event finished sixth and they were 46 in the country again not calling anybody out but saying leo was 10th in the country and finished 15th and rollins beat them by 34 looks like yeah Right. So again, you're, and, and again, you can't even just think about those two teams. You got to think about the teams in between that too. So then you get number 12, Flagler, Wingate, number eight, Lee, Florida Southern at 16. A lot of top 25 wins that they, that they racked up by some pretty decent stroke differentials as well. Um, that's why you're going to see that kind of movement. Um, so yeah. So from a ranking standpoint, Rollins, Rollins is the big winner here, essentially. Right. Like uh, j- just for, since you're there, Tell me where Finley and Nova Southeastern moved to. And Lee. Those are the three so, I want to know about. So Finley's five. Okay, so uh, they moved up. Nova seventh. Okay. And then you said, who was the last one? Lee. Lee. Lee University. They're 13th. 13th. Okay, so moved down five. And that that makes sense. Because they still they still had a couple top um, top 20 wins at least. Still beat St. Leo. I hate to make St. Leo the point. St. Leo dropped to 21. Okay, so they dropped to 21. Um Okay, that makes sense. Florida Southern stayed put at 16. Really? Okay. So almost mm-hmm. almost just below middle of the pack, and they stayed at 16. Um Taylor went up to nine. Okay. Ellen Anderson won on the on the individual side uh, from Nova Southeast, Nova Southeastern, even partially went ooh, ooh, talk about a bounce back. She went 77 in the first round. And then it was like, you know what? I think then we're gonna play golf now. And went 68, 68 to finish the event, one by three. Um the number one player in the country coming into the event, Maria Hoyos from Lynn, um, was in a tie for second with Faith De La Garza from DBU. They both shot plus three. Um, 71, 72, 73 from, from Maria, which is steady golf there. And then Faith went 69, 74, 73, which also is really, really solid. Um, again, I, I, I want to, even if we don't have a big conversation about it, I am going to keep keep bringing up the events that DBU and Finley are playing, especially if they're playing in them together. Um, I, I just think it's going to be interesting because I think even with, with DBU, right? Like we've, I think just from what we've seen as much as we've tried to track it, would you all think that DBU is the best team in the country? Probably the most talented team D2 women's wise. Well, we said that 
in my head, at least you said that last year because they were so dominant and then they lose the first round of match play. So it's like, who knows? You know, absolutely, it's, it's the absolutely. ever-changing. So match play isn't their strong suit, but. Or no. at least, or at least I, I, I think the other thing. Well, to they keep... won it the year before. So technically it would kind of be, I don't know, like right. how to but differentiate like... the two, I guess. On a side note, Ellen, since we're talking about rankings and jumping, she went 50th to 8th. Sick. I, I think that's that's always kind of the fun part, too, when all the best teams and players get together. There's so much opportunity for rankings <laughs> movement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wants to be top 10 this week, especially in the fall. You know what I mean? It's just like you could be a, the 60th ranked player and you finish top three in a team or in, a, in an event with, you know, a bunch of top 100 players. You're going to move. You know what I mean? So that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, but anyways, we'll, we'll keep, again, I'm going to keep harping on DBU. That, so I think Ian pointed it out. This is their second loss, I guess, if you will, of the season. Um, their only other tournament finish that wasn't a win was at their home event. Uh, they lost to Henderson State and Lynn. Um, but again, they're still, they'd still be my national championship favorite if, if they can take care of business during medal match play, which we've seen both on the men's and women's side as not always the easiest thing to do uh metal match play can get you so oh if you I, I mean i was there for the women's last year and limestone had it wrapped up it felt like going yeah. into the last two groups in the last three holes and then some bad t shots let finley right back in and they closed it out so i mean like you play all 18 holes and you don't know what's gonna happen yeah, exactly. yeah, it was exactly. the first time i ever got to, to watch it live and i was like man this is this is a whole nother ball game and we've had this discussion before of whether or not it should be um that that should be the yeah for all divisions um but it is very interesting to watch that and could have gone a lot of different ways last year for this uh for d2 women so yeah let's let's keep it on the d2 side but we'll hop over to men's we'll head to the citrus intercollegiate where barry university won by four minus 26 280 to 71 goodness gracious and then uh followed up with 287 in the final round um they yeah four shot win over number 15 nova southeastern um, Carson Newman right behind that Tampa number two, West Florida, right behind that in fifth place. Um, I started the season out with a love letter to AJ Ewart and I may have jinxed him. My apologies, AJ, if you're listening, but I know you're not. Um, he has not played at least at a level that we've seen in the past, what, two, three years, two years, I think, um, to this point, which is interesting. But I'm still going to say I think it's probably the best thing ever for Barry, right? Because they are getting the job done without the best from AJ. I think we've said that a couple weeks in a row now. So Nicholas Quintero finished. Go ahead, Ian. No, I was saying depth. Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and that's here, – here we go. You know, I'm going to make basketball analogies. But, like, when your best players – you know, it's like Ja Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies last year. Ja was out for a bunch of games. They still kept winning, and it made the other players about around them better you know because they had to pick up more to slack i'm obviously i'm not saying aj ewart or, or ewart is injured or anything's wrong with him but again when you when you can say our other four or five players are are picking up the slack now let's just wait till hopefully the number one guy is the number one guy again because i mean if you look at the lineup he hasn't moved in the lineup right like he's yeah. still played number one every week but he hasn't been the best counting score i don't think for a couple weeks now right so but they're still putting him in at number one, which to me tells him he's he's going to be AJ at some point, right? So Nicholas Quintero at, at T11, uh, Felipe Alvarez is fifth, Santiago Camora is uh, T8, and Amani D'Ambrosio, uh, T3 at minus nine. Um, I know they're not the number one team in the country. Right now they're second. They were third coming into the event. Um, 
what do you think? I know team of the week last week was Anderson, South Carolina, and they won every they won every event, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. Um let me let me frame it this way then. Should Anderson be worried if AJ plays well? <laughs> I think it's gonna be fun come May. I think it's gonna be really fun. Um I mean, you just can never, I mean, we've talked about this. Like you can't guarantee somebody's gonna have their best day. So it's like yeah. You prepare for what you think your opposition is going to be, and you prepare the best way you can for your own team. So, yeah, they can only go out there and do exactly what they've done all year, which is win. And yeah. if AJ Eward has a day where he goes 66, 65, 63, then so be it. Like, there's nothing you can do in that situation because you know how good of a player he is. So, right. um, I think it's going to make for a very fun spring. And a lot of these teams have played each other this fall, so we've kind of gotten a little bit of a taste of it, but. Um, there's some good programs on that side, man. Some good programs that know how to win too. So, yeah. Yeah. Look, Carolyn, which, and this, this is an interesting question. Which one would you rather be right now? Anderson or Barry? Would you rather be the team that's one? Of, and this is, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, but just again, we'll t- talk about the human aspect of it. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think there's a right answer to this one. Uh, would you rather be Anderson who's won everything and is dominated? Or would you rather be Barry? That's kind of like, Hey, we've still won quite a bit and we have not, we're not at full strength, if you will. What 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 from a coach player? What do you think would be the situation you'd like to be in going into fall or going into spring? Sorry. Oh gosh, I don't know. Part part of me really wants to say Barry because you're sitting at number one all the time. I feel like sometimes you can get overconfident in yourself, and mistakes happen just as the same yeah. as it could anywhere else. But like, I don't know. At least being Barry, it's like you know you've won some, right? You know you can probably beat them. You know that you can get there. And it, I feel I feel like it makes you fight more for it. Not saying that you being number one wouldn't want to fight for it, right? But I just think that sometimes that just gives you a little bit more of a drive mentally. That hey, I'm second, but like I know we can easily be number one too. So yeah, yeah, I yeah I think um, I think in the case of and Anderson's obviously the best team in the country with the best resume, mm-hmm. right? Like they've played yeah. really, really well. So I'm not, I'm not even trying to make the argument that they shouldn't be number one or anything like that. Oh yeah. Again, no. I, I, yeah. I just think we, again, trying to pump the, the human element of it into it. Um, I, I think you spoke to kind of like the adversity piece, right? Like you, is there something you're, what are you working for? And I know even Anderson, I think has had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they've won and weren't ranked number one. So they've kind of been like, okay, what do we have to do to be ranked number one? And the answer was keep winning. Right. So they kind of have had the not necessarily adversity, but the chip on their shoulder of, hey, let's we got to keep proving them wrong until we are number one. I think I, 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 I think, like you said, at what point, if you continue to win, does that no longer become a chip? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that yeah. kind of becomes your identity instead. You know, it's an just, expectation. It's yeah, just kind of like Stanford right? and stuff. Whenever we talk about sure. them or wait sure. for anyone that's constantly number one, it's, you know. Yeah. And, 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 and again, I think that's one of those. That's why coaches are coaches, right? They they do their best to keep everybody team wise in the right right frame of mind. The, the culture is correct, all that stuff, so that they are staying motivated. Um, but yeah, Barry to me is a scary team if 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 AJ gets it going. Um, on on the player side, Adam Alvarez won for Florida Southern. Jake, ooh, man, y'all be having some names. Jake Minet, apologies. Okay. Sure. Uh, Adam Alvarez won at 13 under and uh, runner up was Jake at minus 12, minus 13 to minus 12. Again, solid score 67, 67, 69 for Adam and 69, 66, 69 for Jake. So uh, really solid playing there. Um, let's hop one, one more kind of recap event and then we'll do some shout outs. Let's hop over to O'Brien Jensen Memorial over on the D3 side. Um, and we get some familiar faces up there too. 
Christopher Newport doing the thing again. They won by eight, 285, 283, two round event, 285, 283 for 568. Uh, Methodist, number two in the country coming into the event, um, finished second at plus eight. Guilford at plus 17. Um, Emory was in the event, the number one team in the country coming in. They finished fifth. Um, so another really strong event. Again, we're going to highlight the Christopher Newport thing because Alex Price is in the field. Uh, he finished third at minus four. Um, another solid showing. Um, Alex Rubino from Hamden City uh, College. One at minus nine, one by three. You know who was runner up in this event, though? Mike Vick, man. Good for him. I had no clue, man. Had the had the really rough patch in Atlanta. Went to jail for a second. <laughs> came back, revived his career. I think it was with the Eagles. A little stint with the Steelers. I know he's been doing some really good work in the community. I know there's been a lot of players, you know. This kid's getting to- some unwarranted shade. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is like, man, just because of my name. <laughs> This is probably not the first time he's heard it, so I'm just keep. Oh no, I'm gonna, not I'm gonna keep going. You know, but you know, you got J.R. Smith had some eligibility left, so he came back. You know, LeBron's talked about it. I didn't know Mike Vick had eligibility, but good for him, man. I, and obviously, he's a good player because he's number fourteen, come number fourteen in the country coming in. Seven so. now. Seven now, absolutely. So big Mike Vick fan. I used to. Mike Vick wears him. number seven. Now he's ranked seven. Listen, it is prophetic, basically. <laughs> I used to love playing with here. Mike Vick on, the, on Madden, dude. Like, just. Madden 04 with. I Mike wasn't even Vick, thinking man. about throwing the ball, just scrambling. As soon as I broke contain, I was gone. Love it. I love that for Mike Vick. But anyway, sorry. Uh, Alex Rubino finished at minus nine with 68 65. Goodness gracious. Uh, with a bogey, I think, too. Yeah. Bogey 16, so he had uh, seven birdies, one bogey. Yep, good for him. Uh, and then, again, Mike Vick at minus six. Sorry, Mike, minus six, uh, 68-68. Alex Price, 68-70 to finish in third. Um, an- again, another another stack field, Alex Price in the field, who probably be your leading candidate for, you know, any award that goes to at the D3 level, whether it be GCA awards, um, um, I think Nicholas Award. Yeah, is Nicholas Award. Is, yeah. yeah, Nicholas Award is what I'm thinking of, yep. uh, which is an outstanding thing that they that they do. He's I'm I'm sure he's probably your leading candidate there, and, and he keeps, yeah. he keeps performing. So I uh, wanted to wanted to highlight that event. Um, and also, again, there's we get four top ten teams in the field with Emory, Methodist, Carnegie Mellon, Christopher Newport. Love to see him keep playing. Um, Big swing to Newport jumps all the way to one. Emory drops to three. I mean, when you pick up a 21 shot win over the number one team, it's obviously going to definitely helps help you out. So definitely helps. Definitely helps. Um, So, yeah, just wanted to touch on that one a little bit. Let's do uh, let's do some shout outs and then we can get to our team of the week. Kind of poly classic collegiate Oklahoma gets the win by 12 over Clemson. Um, Number 49 Liberty was third. Um, you also got East Tennessee in the, uh, East Tennessee State in the field, Ole Miss, Georgia, North Florida. Uh, we talked about it again last week. We kind of talked about with the women's teams as far as who's a national title contender. Remember, Ian was kind of on the fence about Oklahoma, and kind of the one that was maybe pushing them over the hump was the simple fact that they have Ryan Hibble. Um, <laughs> so they so they get the win um, by twelve here. Um, maybe this is the end of fall that they need, right? To kind of you know, get them in the right direction, moving into spring to kind of really leapfrog into that conversation of, yeah, we can still contend, you know, at, at the, at the top of the top, obviously they're, they're a top 15 team probably regardless, but at the top of the top of the top this year, um, I think this may, this may be something that, that they kind of can use as fuel to say, Hey, we can still do this um, as they head in the spring. Let's see it. Dennis Rose. Yeah. Cal state San Marcos um, win essentially both of them. I, I, I say, I say essentially maybe a little bit of asterisk, on the um, 
yeah, on the men's side, Cal State San Marcos tied with uh, Colorado, Colorado Springs. Um, so I don't want to call it, you know, a clean win for Cal State San Marcos on the on the men's side. But they both essentially finished in first place. Men's and women's teams both moved up, I think, 14 and 12 spots. So a solid field or a solid event for them. Beat the likes of Sonoma State, number seven, Cal State Monterey Bay, number 11, Western Washington at four on the men's side. Um, and on the women's side, picking up some other top 50 wins in Point Loma, Biola. Western Washington, 34, West Texas A&M down there, at number, or ranked number two. They finished 11th in the event. So both of them, I think Cal State San Marcos on the women's side, moved up to number 11. So that was a big event for them to keep climbing as well. Um, so, yeah, want to shout out Dennis Rose again in Hawaii. Love vacation season. We'll hop over to White Sands Bahamas Invitational as well. Duke was in firm control of this event essentially from the beginning. Uh, 260 or 276, 271, 276. Um, 38 team in the country. They moved up quite a bit as well. One by 20 over Stetson. I wanted to shout out this event because we talked about Stetson last week too. Um, this is an event that I thought was not it's different than the event they hosted where they needed to win by a lot. I think in this one, they just needed to win as, or at least pick up wins. And I think they did just that. The only team they lost to was Duke. Um, even though it was a pretty sizable stroke differential, they didn't do anything to hurt their ranking here. Um, so again, team to watch, especially when we get to selections time, uh, Stetson, right, right where they kind of want to be, if not improving on more. So um, they're safely, uh, safely, I was 50, gonna say, safely 57 to throw out there. Yeah. 57th. I mean, you've got a little bit of wiggle room there at 57, but yeah. it's a good spot to be in to what I think is wrap up the fall for them. I think so. so. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Um, one to hit on grand over collegiate as well. UNCG wins their event, their home event by 22, 22 went 275, 274, 277. Again, it's UNC Greensboro um, beating Elon Davidson, Harvard, East Carolina, Bowling Green, a lot of regional teams, but, a good one to pick up on the fall um, to end their fall season as well. And to win your home event. Um, and then we'll go one more to Cal Poly, the Cal Poly invitational hosted at the preserve uh, golf club out in California, obviously Cal Poly uh, and the Ohio state Buckeyes men's team. They win. They win by three over Northwestern. It was kind of a come from behind when Northwestern had the lead going into the final round. Um, even through the front nine, it was still kind of looking like a lot of Northwestern on day three. Um, and then things Things changed um, in Ohio State and ended up picking the win there. Adam Wallen, I believe, or Whalen. I, I should know, but I don't know. Um, but he won on the individual side. Um, either one or tied. I'm, again, I can't claim to know. I um, went 69, 68, 69. Owen Averett from Oregon also at minus 10. Went 70, 66, 70. Um, again, I'm, if the Buckeyes win, I'm going to shout it out. So deal with it. They also moved up into the top 25 after this, I believe, to 24. Um, so, again, good, good showing for them. You know, it's I won't say it's hard, hard, but like Big Ten teams, winning is not easy. Winning's not at any, easy at any level. Yeah. yeah. And it was a really strong field as well. Or not really strong, but it was a decent field as well. And and I don't know. I, I find it impressive when Big Ten teams are in the top 25, because typically you really only get there's only room for one a lot of times. Right. Like it's typically Illinois or not Illinois. Right. But there's typically not room for more than one. Um, so anytime you you get a Big Ten team to crack the top 25. I think that's noteworthy to me just because, again, the region that they play golf and practice in. So, um, you only so get yeah. like five months a year. Yeah. That's so about I, it. Yeah. So I, I think it's noteworthy. And again, we're Midwest kids. So that's, that's why we shout it out. Um, so, yeah, those are your events of the week or the events we're recapping this week. Make it memorable, gentlemen.
Team of the week. Who we got for team of the week this week? Who wants to go first? I'll go last. Okay. Somebody's already claimed last. Well, no, because y'all always get mad at me for going first. So y'all, I'll go last. Carolyn, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? I'm going to go first. Who do you, I, I almost like to play this game. Who do you think I'm picking? <laughs> you bet I am. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we got to end it with that one. And I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to pick Ohio State just because one, I didn't do it on the women's side. So you cannot say that there's, you know, that like I'm just do it, but you just went and interviewed the coach the next yeah. week because you wanted to, you wanted a long extended segment. So also true. Also yep. true. <laughs> also and it did true. great. And it did, it was an awesome interview. It was great. I just said, you were like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get an even longer extended segment on this win. So interview that was smart by you. That was that smart was, by you. That was a great yeah. play. That was yeah. a great play. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to give team of the week to Ohio state men's team for winning Cal poly to finish their fall. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to make any big broad statements about their team, how good they are, if this is a statement win or anything like that. I really don't know if I'm doing that at all. I just really think the performance was impressive. I think final round chase chase down is impressive. I think having an individual win uh, on your team is also impressive. Um, and then again, like I said, to, to crack the top 25, I think is a, is a big deal. Like I just for me kind of following it. I don't know if I remember the last time they were a top 25 team, at least since I've been here. So Again, I think it's noteworthy whether they stay there or not. I really don't care. But just to kind of do it to to, to end the fall, um, I I think that's a big thing for them to kind of sit on until early February, you know, to be able to end fall and say, hey, we're a top 25 team. They get to say that for three, four months now, you know. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to nominate Ohio State, Carolyn, since Ian already ca- called dibs on last. I wouldn't even say it was dibs. It was more or less I was just being generous because y'all always get mad oh, at me that I take uh, yours. So he's, he's a servant at heart. I'm a team he player. Yeah, he's a, a servant player. at heart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's what, <laughs> that's what he's gonna go with. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of want to go with Barry. Um, okay. Just because they're always there's they've always been a solid team, and even with perhaps like their number one player not being number one, they still show that they have that great depth in their team and that they can still get the job done. Um, and that they can count on all of their their teammates. Yeah, so. I, I think that's a good one. And I don't I don't think we've nominated them this. And that's what I was trying to remember I don't think too. We have. I, could I was be like, wrong. I don't want to like all like nominate multi, like you eh. know teams multiple times. Like it happens. It does. Don't get like I get that, but then too, it's yeah. like you still want it to be sure. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think we have. I could be wrong, but I, I think especially if we have not, I think it's about time. So, yeah. because this isn't the first event they've won or, you know, or yeah, top no. two or whatever. So like, I, I think it's about time. So good pick, good pick. Ian, what you got? Uh, I had two. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, just uh, in case. Well, I mean, I had multiple. I had multiple <laughs> because it's like, listen, I mean, if I'm going to go last and be a team player and let you guys have first choice, you got to have some options. I got to have some options because I don't know what's coming. <laughs> um, I guess I'll, we talked a lot about them in the first segment, but I think it was a very impressive win from San Jose, San Jose state. And I think they okay. deserve this nomination for it just because like, I think, like we said, those, that building block of like, you fall just short at Medina, you come back, put on a good performance against Stanford and you lose to Stanford, but then you go beat a really good field and a good wake team the next week. So I think for them, um, I think that they deserve the recognition for that. Cause I think it was a great performance and I think they're just going to keep rolling. So uh, my other one, though, was Christopher Newport, just because I like the like pandemonium of D3 men's golf right now, because they all <laughs> yeah. seem to play each other like <laughs> yeah. every week and they all just beat each other. And then it just keeps moving. And I think it's so funny to watch like 
not even fun. It's just intriguing because like Christopher Newport's one, they don't play too well. D3 invite Emery wins. They jump all the way to one and then Newport goes and beats them by 21 the next week. And now they're one. So yeah. I think that for them, like I, like I said, they deserve the recognition because they're back in the top spot. They wanted a really good field, but I just think it's funny. Like they play each other all the time. They just keep shuffling around and I think it's going to make for a really fun spring. So, yeah, but you're going with San Jose state. Yeah, I'll go with San Jose State. Yeah. Right. I thought I thought you guys were going to take that one, so that was why I thought I didn't. about it. Yeah, that's why I didn't. I was like, "There's no shot I'm getting that one," so yeah. that's why I was like, oh, "I'll just go with like." And, and that was the other thing is we not Chris Newport's won before, so I was like, oh, "I don't want to keep nominating." Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, was, I thought we nominated. Yeah, <laughs> but they keep winning, one. and it's like they've got two wins. They beat the number one ranked team. How it's hard to not talk about them. So, yeah. but I yeah. thought they deserve some uh, some recognition for that. So. All right. Well, we'll we'll go ahead and post that on Friday afternoon as we always do, and let's make sure we get those votes in. Make it memorable, gentlemen. All right, let's do a fun little middle segment. This was inspired by a lot of the events that I saw on the weekend, which is kind of why, like, I shouted out like Duke winning and UNCG because there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of Carolina schools winning, right? And a lot of Carolina schools that are good right now. So I I, I pose it in the group chat, and I just want to know what what you all think, and we can all make our own arguments. All things considered, and all things are determined by whoever gets to consider them. Um, who do you think, or what state do you think is the best college golf state? And again, your, your criteria is your criteria. You can add things into the argument that you think are important and leave out things that you don't think are important. Um, but I want to know from us and then maybe from listeners as well, if you want to, you know, engage us on social media and tell us what, who you think is, or what, what state you think is the best, the best college golf state. Um, what's, what's, who do we think is the best college golf state? Who, who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right, Carolyn, give, give me give me what you got. <clears throat> All right. So I say California. Okay. Um, got great golf courses there. Torrey Pines, Pebble Beach, um, Cypress, just name a few. Okay. Um, but then too, I just decided why not? I looked at every top 25 teams for division one, two, and three for men and women. And out of all of them, granted, I only picked four states. So my top four states were gonna be California. Florida, Georgia, and Texas. Okay. Yeah, because I knew you were a little bit, but I know you're Carolinas. <laughs> but um, out of all those, California had 19 schools in the top 25 for all three divisions. Really? Yeah. And then strong. the second, I think, was Texas. They had 17, and then Florida, okay. I think, had 15. Okay. That's another reason why, basically, you have so many teams. Also, look at how many players, like great players, came from maybe Stanford and. Sure. Other California yeah. So, teams. I mean, when we're just talking about players that went to California schools, I mean, you got Morikawa, you got Cantlay, you've got obviously Tiger, you've got, you know, coaching trees too, where you got Stanford or uh, Stanford with Conrad Ray. I mean, you got maybe from a personality standpoint, names we know. I mean, you got Nota Begay yes. too, right? You got uh, Casey Martin that's, uh, that's, that's up at Oregon played on Walter Chun at Cal. Right. Walter Chun at Cal. Um, and then, and, and I think there's something to be said about the women's side two right like where you combine them mm -hmm. right we, we kind of highlighted the men's side too but when you talk about the players that come out of um, those schools and just their dominance a lot of times when we talk about what's the best conference in women's golf historically a lot of times we talk about Pac-12 and a lot of those are because of the California schools the USC's the UCLA's the Stanford's as well I, I will ask do you think there's something to be said about like the size of the state because part of my argument is going to be that Carolina's smaller Oh you know I mean? my gosh. So like, okay. So I the, get the that. per capita, you know, just like, <laughs> yeah, 
you're just winning because of sheer, sheer numbers here. Man, if I said Texas, though, would you say the same? Because like, I feel like even though, yes, it's a big state, there's still a lot of the state that no one lives in. You know what I mean? It's kind of <laughs> like Colorado. You have little dense pockets, but then there's really not a whole lot from like. Side note, I always, so Kim's from Australia. My wife is from Australia. And I, I that's the running joke in our house that Texas and Australia are the same place and they're the same size. <laughs> And she, she always gets really mad when I say that. I can't imagine Aust- why. Australia, <laughs> Australia is essentially Texas. They're the same. They're the same size. But anyways, yeah, California is a little bit. Yeah, Texas is. is I, I see what you mean because you got, you got Texas. Like there's the El Paso, San, San Antonio. When yeah. you're going kind of out far uh, west, you know, you've also got you know UT. Then you kind of get down in the Houston College Station kind of area. But so I, yeah, I I get and the Texas for sure is a good one. But then too, I know California. It's a lot. It's dense. So I get it. It's kind of like in indiana like in high school and stuff i had a big school mm-hmm. we had 600 kids in our graduating class lake central had 1200 and they were oh, yeah. a powerhouse for yeah. athletics so that's, it was like that's how we how we were at pike yeah yeah so i mean i can't i'm still gonna say that you're wrong and i'm still gonna have my point of like this <laughs> but i i do get it <laughs> okay okay all right so we got california on the board and again i think i think if i if i'm not picking who i'm going to pick or make a case for I think California is up there. Ian, Ian, what do you got? No, that that was definitely on my list too. I think we had all probably had similar lists. Um, I think Florida's probably up there as well. I just think the quality of golf, the amount of time a year you can play golf. And then as well as like Carolyn said, you look at the rankings. I mean, I'm looking at D2 women alone, Lynn, Nova, Tampa, Rollins, Mm -hmm. St. Leo. Like there's just programs after programs that are there. And they're competing and they're all playing each other all year and all getting better. And so um, I think Florida is up there for sure. And I love going down there in the wintertime and playing yeah. golf because we don't get the chance to around here. Snowbird. So yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, I'm going down this year in January. So I'm excited to, uh, <laughs> to get to play a couple rounds of golf when I haven't played a year in months. So, uh, but I think it's just, I think it's up there. I think you can make an argument for any of these. And I think that the argument can be fluctuated based on how teams, if, if we're keeping it in that realm, how teams are performing. And I think Marcus is taking advantage of the fact that uh, <laughs> there, there are a few programs uh, that are doing really, really uh, well this year uh, to kind of. Uh, there's some history there too. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, but I think like the historical piece, but I think all three of those state, all three of these states all have the great combination of great teams and great golf in general, great golf courses and, you know, great golf history and architecture that I think kind of encompasses all of it together. Uh, so I don't think you can go wrong with any of these options. So I agree. I, I would also yeah. say too, for, for Florida, I think, I think they have a really strong case, especially on the D2 side, like, we're, like college golf is not just D1, right? So like, no, that's why I was saying that yeah, I mean, like, I'm looking at D2 women alone. There's seven or eight top 25 yep, teams. That's also yeah. why and I looked at yeah. all of yeah. And, yeah. And, and like you could say that for Cal too, like there's a lot of really good D3 women's teams, oh, yeah. especially out yeah. out, uh, out, uh, or out in California. I think on the NAI side, you're getting a lot of really good ones in Florida as well. I think some of them have like PGM programs, which definitely helps. Kaiser again, does too. Exactly. They have like an entire college of, of sure golf do. and exactly. golf design. It's yeah. insane. I think you're always yeah. good in Florida too for like, I won't, I won't say like a random program, but like a program that's not your power five. That's like, like North Florida, you know what I mean? What Scott yeah. Schroeder does down there is like, yeah, you know, you know, like that kind of thing. We're like, okay, not random, but kind of random as far as like, wow, that well, like, that's a really like, good golf school, Florida Gulf like, Coast, all of a sudden, like that kind of stuff. Another one you've already talked about that's kind of making that push towards region is Stetson. Like that's right. another yeah, Florida exactly. school that it's which like, is funny. Exactly. It's a school that I looked at to go to. Yeah, really, the Stetson <laughs> yeah. Hatters. Yeah, to play golf. Yeah, but yeah, I I think that is kind of 
when you talk, I don't want to say mid-major, I don't know if that's the right word, but like, again, when you're stepping away from like the, the Floridas and the, you know, and the Florida States and, and Miami, if you want to throw that in there, I guess, um, I think their non-power fives are really strong. Their D2s are yeah. really strong. Their NAIs are really strong. Um, so I'm, I'm going to make for the case for Carolina and the Carol- Carolina, just North Carolina. Okay. So I'm not lumping in South Carolina because I, you know, didn't want to break the rules. I'm typically a rule breaker, but I won't do that right now. Okay. Cause Shut. if I, if I lump South Carolina in there, I win. Okay. Oh, so we're just going to do North Carolina. Okay. So here's, is that because of like per capita or like, per, like the size all of a sudden? If I lump in South Carolina? Yeah. I think a lot of he's times he's doing us a favor to get oh, us a yeah. chance. This That's what you. he's saying. This is because I care about this you. This is for us. Uh, what did you, what did you call Ian earlier? For uh, going in last, what was that? Oh, uh, I mean, a servant, a servant, oh, a servant yes. at heart. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I think like even when you look at um, like our like amateur golf association, a lot like it's the Carolinas golf, you know, and like that kind of thing. So a lot of times South Carolina does get lumped in there when we talk from a golf standpoint. So that, that's the only reason I said I won't lump in South Carolina. Hemingway, um, case for Carolina. If you just look at current rankings, again, you've got on the men's side, you've got UNC at fifth, Duke 32, 33 Wake. You got UNCG who cannot be forgotten about at 49, UNCW as well at 75 or 55, NC State at 75. On the women's side, you obviously got Wake at number two, Duke at 17, UNC at 38, NC State 46. Uh, all, all, if not most of those teams are kind of inside that bubble number right now to make regionals. I think there's some history there as far as those programs too. Like when you talk about really good programs, like perennially, you think about Duke women, you think about Wake Forest men, that kind of thing, right? So then you start to get into, you know, who's played at those schools. You got the entire Haas family playing at Wake Forest, Bill, Jerry, and Jay, you know? So that's strong. You got the young guys like Zalatoris and Cam Young coming from Wake Forest. You got Webb Simpson. Can't forget about Mr. Palmer, right? So now we're talking about the players that these programs have produced from a college golf standpoint. A lot of Wake here, but still, you got Lanny Watkins, Curtis Strange, you got DL3 was at UNC. Duke women is really strong, too, with Amanda Blumenhurst, Beth Bauer, Brittany Lang, and kind of the younger one right now is Leona McGuire. Um, I did see when I was doing my research, too. Do you know, and I could be wrong. Please tell me if I'm wrong. And I don't know if you not guys know, but it said Darren Clark went to Wake Forest for like one year. Did you know that? I didn't. Maybe he pulled the Matt Fitz uh, Northwestern trick okay. where he goes for like a semester or whatever yeah, it yeah, said maybe. it said he went there like 1987 i was like i did not take darren clark for a college guy at all nope so, <laughs> nope <laughs> that did not seem like the route for him so it, it in the thing in the thing i saw it only said 1987 could be wrong but again the player pedigree of of on the both men's and women's side i don't think carolina necessarily has the depth at the at the d2 level or nai level which you know you can see in your rankings i think florida kind of has a lock on that california has a case as well but i think D3 wise Methodist and Guilford have been really, really strong and they kind of are like, they're really good every year. You know? Yeah. There's no drop off. There's no drop off. So like when you talk about like really prestigious D3 golf programs, Methodist and Guilford are kind of like right there. Um, And then, and then again, the part you guys mentioned, the Cypresses and the Tory Pines and the, and the Pine Hurt or the, the, Tobacco uh, uh, Road and... no, 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 no. I'm not oh, going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Cause here's what I, here's, here's why we make our list. Right. We're talking about college golf. There's no tournaments at Tory Pines. Right. There is one in Pebble though. There's one. Of... <laughs> and the Walker Cups, the Walker Cups the Walker are going to be in Cypress. So. <laughs> it's going to be in Cypress. I'm talking campus courses here. And I think Duke UNC 
and NC State probably have three of the strongest campus courses that are literally like 30, 45 minutes away from each other. And I think that's really strong when you talk about college golf landscape. You know, Lonnie Does Pasa Tiempo count as San Jose State's campus course? Yeah. I'll take it. Okay, I'll, there, I'll, you I'll, there you go. There you go. I'll allow it. It's I'll like, does that it. one count? Because that <laughs> and Stanford Golf course. Club are pretty damn but good. I, I, so. I, I, would, I, would take, I would take anything that you like. It doesn't have to be campus course, but just where you're hosting your events, right? Yeah, so for sure. Lonnie, Duke, and Finley are really good three really good campus courses. And then, like you said, the host venues, Old Town that Wake Forest hosts at mm -hmm. is unreal. Um, yeah. So that one's a really cool one. And then, of course, you get Pinehurst, which I think is is interesting because, again, you get, I think, Wake hosts at Pinehurst too. They do, yeah. But the cool part about it is too, though, if you just look at a, some of the events that we like process and stuff, there's an event at Pinehurst like every other week, whether it be Pinehurst four or eight or something, right? Yeah, always... I, I worked one at number six a few years ago and it was, yeah. it's still great. I mean, it's a uh, Fazio so like, design, like all of them have great features to it. Like every yeah. one of them. So, so they, they've been really open to hosting college golf events, not only on number two, but on, you know, just, just at their facilities in general. So that's my case for Carolina. I will throw in the, the size factor again. We're, you know, we're, we're no Californian. We're not even a Florida, you know. Didn't you say most happen on East Coast, anyways? Most college golf happens on the East Coast, so. Yeah. Oh, 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 yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that—that's my case for Carolina. I, I think you made a good point too. Of um, um, Texas is probably one that you throw in there. I think Georgia too. Uh, honestly, especially from like a PJ Tour standpoint, like when you think about just the strength of Georgia and and Georgia Tech alone, just amount Oklahoma amount. too. Then if you're going that route. Mm. all the guys that went to osu all the guys that went come on mm. okay all right <laughs> i'm kidding OU and osu churn out a lot of players they man they, they do. do no i'm kidding um uh, man I, yeah i don't want to start that because if they hear this podcast right. yeah <laughs> we're doomed it's like, when you, it's like when you set me up last last week to we're doomed. name off teams and be like oh <laughs> yeah. who's gonna win and then i'm at the mercy of the fan bases of these schools it's yeah jeez. Like, no that, so yeah just, just wanted to start a conversation about uh yeah, who who the best college golf state is. I know everybody's got pride about whether it be their home state or where they live or maybe where they went to school, and everybody's got a solid case. So if if you're listening and you want to engage, would, would love to hear everybody's thoughts on on the case for, for the best college golf state. Make it memorable, gentlemen. All right, so we we also got some um, some sad news on Sunday as um, longtime Tulsa coach and a Titan in the women's college game, but in college game or in the college game in general, um, Dale McNamara passed away uh, early Sunday morning. Um, spent a lot of time as the coach at Tulsa. Very decorated career. Again, very important in not just women's college golf, but in in NCAA college golf. Her her um, her daughter coaches currently at Auburn. Um, so we just kind of wanted to, to, to have this last segment kind of just share some, some things that we found, um, just in case not everybody knows about her story, what, what she was involved in her accomplishments. So kind of got to hand it over to Carolyn to kind of tell us who Dale McNamara was. So she was, um, a native from Tulsa. She was born in 1935. As I think some of us know, title nine wasn't a thing and women's sports in general, not very, they weren't very popular. There wasn't a lot. Um, at that time. So when she was in college at Tulsa University, there was no women's golf team. She had to enter tournaments on her own. Then once Title IX did happen in 1972, just a few years after, in 1974, Tulsa University decided that they wanted to have a women's team and who other than Dale would be the one to, to take on that challenge. And it was a challenge. Um, they had no money, no office, no players. 
she had a desk in a hallway is what I read. That is, and, and, and nothing else. That was it. That's what she had to work with in 1974. But she took on that challenge. And after two years um, in 19, or in her second season, she led TU women to a second place finish at the AIAW National Championships. She followed that up in 1980, where they won that same championship. 1982, she won AIAW and the NCAA championship. That same year, they won by 36 strokes. In 1982, 36 strokes was their lead. That's still remains the biggest yep. win so far for the NCAA championship. I, I think if, if I can stop you there too, I believe yeah. that NCAA championship from what I listened to was the first women's sure NCAA championship too. So it's again, it's not like there was no before Dale, nope. right? Like that was the first and blew it out of the water. But anyways, keep going. Yeah. So just six years, six years, first NCAA. So then it took right some, from 72 Finally, NCAA had their championship first one right out the gate, won it by 36 strokes. Um, then uh, right after that, in 1988, her daughter, Melissa, was a senior. Uh, she won the championship. She was an individual championship. And they also took home the title that year as well. So it was quite a special moment for her and her daughter, both taking home those titles. Overall, so that makes that four national titles. She had 81 wins over her career. It was 26 years. In 1985, they won the WGCA National, or sorry, she won the WGCA National Coach of the Year. 1988, same year that she won the national champion and her daughter also took home that championship. She was inducted into the National College Golf Coaches Hall of Fame, which which just seems like the start of all of this. So in 1994 and 95, she was the Missouri Valley Conference Coach of the Year. 98-99 was the Western Athletic Conference Coach of the Year. 1999, she was inducted into the TU Athletic Hall of Fame, and she closed out her coaching career in 2000 with a win at Western Athletic Conference and an appearance at the NCAA Championship. Three of her teams captured a school single season record of eight tournament wins. She coached 28 first or second all-team Americans, and she produced 32 professional golfers, one of those being Nancy Lopez. Nancy has described her as always excited. She was always up positive, and I really like that about her. And a lot of people had said that about her. She was just a force. Yeah. I was, I was gonna, I, I, I'm hating to cut you off because there's so many things I want to say as you keep reading off, as you read the accomplishments and just who she was as a person. But I, I think it truly does take a special person to be the first. Yeah. Right. And when you talk about her being described as upbeat and ready for the challenge, like you have to be right. Yeah. Because there's plenty of people that can tell you no, if you're the first, right. Cause everybody said no before. So there's gotta be a reason they're telling you. Yes. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, like th that in itself to me is just remarkable to be the first to, to build a program like that, you know, to, to, to have Nancy Lopez as a player, that kind of stuff is, is, is really cool. But anyways, keep going. If you, if you got more. Yeah. She seemed, she seemed like she was a comical person too. Cause I guess yeah. supposedly, uh, like how she recruited Nancy was like, do you, are you up for a challenge or do you like challenges okay. was yeah. what she asked her. And so yeah. she decided to come over. Um, but other coaches, yeah. So like they, they knew her as someone that was always fighting for title nine, fighting for her players, um, fighting for just women in, in college, and with someone that was, you know, it wasn't just golf. It was, are your grades good? Yeah. Can you play? Because if if you can do everything and have basically your head on straight, then I know that you are 
you know, well put together person, right. um, that you're going to be successful in anything that you do. Her coaching philosophy included the three A's atmosphere, attitude, and ability, which I feel like we kind of talked on sure. um, for some of our coaches and some of our tournaments. Um, but she says, and the latter would not flourish without the first two. So you can't just have ability without having a great atmosphere and a great attitude, um, which I think a lot comes from the coaches themselves. Um, in 2003, she was inducted into Oklahoma's Sports Hall of Fame, as well as a recipient of the Jim Thorpe Association Legends in Sports. In 2006, Oklahoma Golf Association, that's when she was inducted into the Oklahoma Golf Association Hall of Fame. After she retired and became, I believe, the athletic director for Tulsa, her daughter, Melissa, took over coaching. Yeah, that's right. Um, she stayed there just for a little bit and then moved on to Arizona State, where in 2009, they won the NCAA championship title, which uh, Melissa now coaches at Auburn, where they recently did win the Eastlake Cup, uh, which I was at. I did see the the little tiger with um, a, a vest that Dale had mm -hmm. actually sewn um, and that's what they had on their cart as they played, because unfortunately, I think that day before that tournament started, she unfortunately was admitted into the hospital again for her second fight with cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's just a lot, but I guess the one last thing that I kind of wanted to, um, mention was last year, someone had asked her what, like how she wanted to be remembered. And so I thought I'd, I'd read that for you. Sure. Um, she said, I would like to be remembered as loving what I've done and where I'm doing it, and that hopefully some good has come out of it. That yeah. saying that one does not live by golf alone. In other words, opening up to other people and other lives and other talents and so on has really meant a lot to me. It's opened up opportunities that I would have never dreamed of, but it all started with golf and so many people involved with my life. And I've been involved with a lot of people and their lives. So it's a wonderful circle. Yeah. And that, to me, that was kind of the, I, I know, I don't even know if we read the same thing or listened to the same things, but I did hear that quote, um, that very first line and that hopefully some good came out of it, you know, that, you know, enjoying and loving what you do and hopefully some good is a really powerful statement. And I think of all the things that she has done, I think, I think truly listening to people of what they want to, especially when they have accomplished things, but listening to them of, of why they did them or how they want to be remembered. Like there's something to be learned there, right? Like yeah, simply loving and enjoying what you do typically means that you give it a full effort, right? And if you give things full effort from that typically comes good things, right? We typically have bad results with full effort for things that we're, that we're passionate and, and, and really love, you know? So just kind of just learning so much from people under the umbrella of college golf, you know, and the Titans of college golf, I think there, there's, there's just always something to be learned. And to me, that was kind of the one thing that stuck as I kind of reflected on what am I doing here? You know I mean? Why do I do what I do? You know? And I think it is, there is a lot to be said about that simple statement right there. Ho hopefully loving, loving what I'm doing and enjoying that. And hopefully some good comes from it, you know, was, was really touched me when I heard, really heard her say that I think on the podcast that I listened to of, of her speaking. So. Well, and I think too, it's, you know, I'm sure, especially like anyone that started, you know, when Title IX finally came through and more women's sports were out there, the people that started them, I'm sure they weren't thinking, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a legend one day. Right. Right. And right. granted, not all of them right. I'm sure were. Right. But when you have someone like Dale, where it's like literally starting with nothing, you were 
in a hallway with a desk and zero players. And you became a national powerhouse within just a couple years of you being a coach, just having that impact. And I'm sure she wasn't thinking about that at all, you right. know, not until later where it's just like, you know what, like I, I have accomplished a not and like having those moments of reflection and being like, this is how I want to be remembered. It's not the fact that like, oh yeah, I've been inducted into this. Yes. I started this golf team. Yes, I did. You know, I played when, you know, by myself because we didn't have a college team and I did all of these things. It was never, never like that. It was, how did I impact other people and how did I make sure that I set people up for success and, and more of that rather than herself. There was, uh, I think Dale said one time, um, to like her daughter in an interview she was like it seems like every time we breathe we end up making like breaking a record some Some sort of accolade or like uh yes exactly um i did also want to add that she was there at the dale mcnamara invite when tulsa won this year um in october so that was pretty cool and pretty neat for for her to be able to see sure yeah yeah that's really that's really powerful stuff. That's really cool stuff. Um, I, I would urge all of us, me included, you know, again, so sometimes we get so wrapped up in what's going on right now. Um, there's so many college tournaments with people's names on them, you know, and 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 we just think, oh, that's a cool name to a tournament. You know, there's a tournament named after her. You know what I mean? And and I, I think the challenge I issue to myself, at least, um, which maybe hopefully you take that challenge on too, if you're not, um, if you don't know the history of college golf, if you see a tournament and somebody's name's on it, Google it, figure out who that person is. There's a reason. You know I mean? There's a reason, right? There's a reason that person's name's on that tournament, probably, right? More more oftentimes than not, there's something to be learned from that person. And, and I think the more all of us are more knowledge about, knowledgeable about why we are where we are in the spot of college golf right now. You know what I mean? Again, like you mentioned, first national championship win, and now all of a sudden, because um, again, Auburn won, can't, I can't remember what year they won, but we've got the Women's National Championship on Golf Channel now, right? And that, that is definitely not a thing. That was definitely then. not a thing. Not even a thought about thing when she won that first national championship. So to think about where we are now from where we or she started just, just puts things in perspective, I think. So um, thank you, Carolyn, for doing that. That was really important, I think. Um, well, hey, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there um, for this week's edition of the Golf Stat Podcast. We appreciate you all listening as always. If you've been listening for this long, you might as well go ahead and hit that follow button and we'll catch you all next week. Peace.